From the alley-oops at Kizar to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off-season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. There is new COVID restrictions at SoFi Stadium. Robert Sala implemented a defensive game plan, and Goff was quarantined all day long. Yeah, the defense was in Jared Goff's face all night. They gave the Rams tons of trouble up front stopping the run. They only broke one good long run the whole game. It was a fantastic performance from the defense, a masterpiece, and the offense did just enough to get the win. And the offense can really thank the defense for putting them in some key situations, and then we fumbled away chances. This game shouldn't have been close. Just based on how many times we got the ball in great field position, how many times we got the ball and killed any chance for momentum that the Rams had, the offense, though, just couldn't really put the the dagger in the heart. But that's okay. It's fine, because you know what? This Thanksgiving week, this was Rams giving. The Rams gave us this victory, guys. And what stood out to you? It was life? definitely Rams giving. And my wild ass bold was that the Rams would turn the ball over three times. Not only did that, but they added an extra one to make it four. Thank you to the Rams. Thank you for Mr. Gaff. I mean, Goff, for providing the 49ers with opportunities. Um, the 49ers needed every one of those opportunities, including a a clutch touchdown from Kinlaw. Uh, we get the great pressure from Givens up the middle. He gets a hit on Goff. Goff finds Kinlaw and Kimball rumbles, bumbles, and stumbles, and then does the most awkward jump into the end zone. <laughs> and I loved every single minute of it. It was fantastic to watch, and that's just what we needed. I just want to say, too, you, you love it when a fat guy scores. Then you get a fat guy spike, and then you get a fat guy <laughs> dance. <laughs> Thanks, John Madden. Yes, sir. The defensive line, I think it's we've kind of gotten on them a lot this year for not producing. They played fantastic today. I think it was definitely their best game of the season as a group. Eric Armstead was explosive. They couldn't block him. He was beating double teams. He looked like Eric Armstead last year. He was, he was really giving them fits in the run game. Um, Givens had a fantastic game. Catavius Street really was giving them problems up the middle. Kinlaw had an interception. Uh, Hyder had two sacks. I mean, that was their defensive line really showed up and showed out. The point and the best part of it was Tim Ryan made the point on the radio. You didn't have to hear the announcer overly talking about what a great game Fred Warner was having because he wasn't having to make up for other people's mistakes. Fred had just a solid, solid, nice game today, but he wasn't having to be all over the field making every stop and every play. Amanda Moses stepped up clutch a huge once. Jamar Taylor went down with a knee injury, and we all hope and wish for the best for Jamar. It looked nasty. It looked brutal. Hopefully you get back healthy better than ever. Um, I'm assuming, like all of you, that it's probably an ACL and probably some other some other things as well, and he's going to be out for quite some time. Uh, so get better, man. We hope to see you soon again in the 49ers uniform. Uh, but outside of that disastrous event for the Niners' defense, it was sound the rest of the way. It was sound from start to finish. Solid, and that game plan was locked and loaded and ready to pick Goff apart and force him to stay in the pocket. Uh, the, the play that stood out to me was that when the early in the game, first couple drives, 
We are shutting down the run game. They're not getting more than a yard or two per carry. Third and two. Little out route to Cooper Cup and Goff sitting in the pocket and misses him inside by a good two and a half, three yards. And from that point on, for me, I was just kind of like, as long as we keep that run game shut down, we got no shot. Yeah, the 49ers had a great game from Jimmy Ward. And once again, the game plan was the 49ers um, using extra safety in the nickel sets. You saw a lot of times where even Jimmy Ward was covering receivers. They did a lot of cool stuff. Marcel Harris getting involved. And so Tarverius Moore getting involved in the box. And just the kind of way that they're able to use either guy and the flexibility they had in the defense was fantastic. Sherm being back stabilized the secondary in a whole big time way. I love seeing it out there. He he didn't look like he didn't look rusty. He went out there, he made plays right away. And that's what the 49ers needed. This right here is the best secondary the 49ers have had, I would say, even since last year. And if they had had this secondary last year in the Super Bowl, I think they would have won. Yeah, the return of Uncle Sherm today was huge. Is that Richard Sherman? It is Richard Sherman. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank goodness. Um, he, the, some of the players call him Uncle Sherm because he's one of the older players and knowledgeable. Got you. Thank you um, for the clarification. Okay. So <laughs> the return of Uncle Sherm today, you could definitely tell the difference in the defensive backfield with him out there, even just everyone being in the right spot at the right time. He led the team in tackles. He definitely wasn't afraid to get in there and mix it up. He got a pick right away in the first quarter. He definitely was a game changer to get him back out there. Like you said, uh, Jimmy Ward had a heck of a game out there. Caused two fumbles, battered away that pass in the end zone to Woods. I mean, he, he was all over the field today. He's been catching a lot of grief lately, and I thought he played a fantastic game. Jimmy Ward did everything he could to silence the haters tonight and the doubters, and he pretty much did that. Hey, Grant Cohn, where you at, huh? Where hey, you at? What's up, Grant? He's looking into trade offers. <laughs> yeah, I guess we Deshaun should be trading Watson. him, or, you know, he's, he's more worried about hypothetical trade scenarios for quarterbacks that we can't acquire, like Jordan Love, but whatever. Hey, you know, the trade deadline passed, Grant. No one can trade anybody, but it's fine. Uh, the, the key, the thing that matters the most is Jimmy Ward stepped up today in a big way, shut people up, a lot of people up, big time. Um, Richard Sherman, like like you said, getting him back was huge. Offensively, though, it was very noticeable from the onset, the difference that Raheem Mostert and Debo Samuel, the, the dynamic, the extra little the extra little dimension they add to the offense is huge. Everyone talking about how, oh, Debo is so important, and why don't you get a bunch of Debo's? Can, can anyone, can any of you name another Debo Samuel in the league, a guy that plays the way that he plays? Not really. I mean, I think there's guys that do things that are similar, but to the level that he does it, and just the physicality that he runs with, no. At the wide receiver position, I don't believe there's another guy who could you could utilize him the same way that they utilize. Debo I think Samuel. there's only one guy. He's on the roster, but he's hurt. Exactly. I think Jalen Hurt is the only other guy that could possibly play the Debo Samuel role. I still don't even know if he can do it the way Debo does it. Correct. I agree completely. Um, it, but it's just it's so obvious how much better this offense is, and this offense struggled today, but this offense was a thousand times better than the offense we saw against the Saints. And they're only going to get better with time as these guys continue to stay on the field and as we inch closer and closer to the return of Jimmy G. Yeah, I think it's very apparent this, this offense right now plays with one arm tied behind their back. Um, they just don't have the full flexibility to do what they want and to make the plays that they need to make. Um, so it's going to be a process as the season goes on. It's going to be tough to win games, but they have a top five level defense. And as long as you have a top five defense, you can win these games. You can win with a, a quarterback that's not exactly a big-time 
a winner or thrower of the football. So they have opportunities to win, but it's real evident at times that the 49ers offense sometimes gets in the way of the success of the 49ers football yes. team. And another guy we haven't mentioned that came back and had a good impact on the game today was Jeff Wilson Jr. Fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. he, re- he did his normal job of relieving Mostert. He pounds the he pounds the ball hard. He hits the holes. He pounds it hard, <laughs> real he, hard. Yeah, and he's just he's a good runner. He's a nice second runner, change of pace guy because Mostert's using his speed. Wilson kind of runs with more power, and then even Juice had a nice little. Uh, that was a nice run on that first down conversion. And you, you see like a little a little bounce in jet step when he's not having to play as much mm-hmm. when he's playing more of the third down role what they always envisioned he looks fast and he, he's definitely more uh amenable to the game plan and able to play fast when he's in that role and am i the only one who thought if mullins would have put that ball out in front of him when he ran the little texas route that he probably was gone if he catches that yeah Good the, chance. Problem, the problem is i think alex will agree with this mullins never saw the other defender no no the defender from the other side coming that's why the ball was well it still should have been lower to protect jet but Correct. He just never saw the well, defender. And let's and be honest, he missed Jordan Reed. Oh, let's yeah. not let's How not talk. Times? Yeah, but the the, the po- that post route that was a twenty five yard game. That that was at least a twenty five yard game. There's a good chance he's taking that house. There's a really good chance he had a, he had a couple steps on him. And Jordan Reed is not an easy guy to take down. Um, you could tell like just the level of frustration on his face. I think even he knew that was a house call. Yeah. If you put that ball in space, because he absolutely shredded him at the top of that route. That little, he explodes off the ball, the little star step at the top, gives the outside fake, and breaks inside. That cornerback was frozen in time. He was like, oh. He went back for four years back when he was in Washington and, and one of the elite tight ends in the league before all the injuries started piling up. That looked like the old Jordan Reed, and oh my lord, that was a beautiful route. Jordan Reed's anger after that play. Looked like a, I came here to play with Jimmy G, not this, the, not this jabroni. Okay, <laughs> this dude? I'm so frustrated. Get this guy out of here because it's finally a time Jordan Reed's not double teamed. I mean, even on the slant that Debo caught in the fourth quarter, the reason Debo has one on one is because they dropped the safety onto Jordan Reed and double cover him. That and aspect, and he sprinted to Jordan Reed. Right, he didn't slowly meander his way there. He started in the middle of the field and on the snap, full-on sprinted to Jordan Reed. It was yep. like, nope, not you. Yeah, it's it's real simple for the 49ers. They were definitely missing Brandon Ayuk in this offense, and if they had Brandon Ayuk, the Rams' defense would have been even more trouble because those safeties are not that good, and no. that's their weakness, and that's where teams have a chance to defeat them. Um, the only thing that they got going for them is they, got, they still got Jalen Ramsey. And thank God that... We had Trent Williams today. Yeah, it was nice to see Big Trent out there taking care of business, for sure. Absolutely. And now it's time to talk about these key matchups that we listed out on our Saturday episode. (laughs) (laughs) On our Saturday episode, we talked and discussed about some key matchups, and mine was round three of Brunskill v. Donald. Didn't really work out that way. There wasn't a lot of Brunskill action. And in all honesty, he didn't double Donald as much as I thought they were going to double Donald with Brunskill. Um, Tom Compton ended up being out, so we, we ended up with a person playing right guard that I don't think any of us before the game would have foreseen Colton McKivitz being in there. And how did you feel about his performance? I, I, again, I can't really, this is really just a push for me on this matchup because it didn't really happen all that much. 
I think considering Colton McKivitz is going against Aaron Donald, he did pretty well. Of course, there was mistakes. You know, there was times he got beat. A lot of times it was mistakes and communication between Colton McKivitz and uh, between uh, um, Mike McGlinchey. I think those were issues. You had the one time where um, there was a big play in the backfield, and that's because Donald's did a swim. Of course, McKivitz is supposed to get an inside release. As long as McDonald or Aaron Donald goes around him, it's fine. But he got he's so fast, he got through. McGlinchey got no piece of him. And then that was ended up being a big play for the Rams. So there I think there was some good things to see, and there is some development that's happened with Colton McKivitz. Colton McKivitz is putting himself in place where we kind of thought we're so high on Brunskill last year coming out of the season that now I think we can be that high on Colton McKivitz going into next year. So that's a good thing that we have somebody who they were very high on that once again is proving they know how to draft offensive linemen in later rounds that can be successful in the NFL. Yeah, that was a common theme of the Bill Walsh era 49ers was being able to pick up linemen in the third round and beyond and them ending up being six to eight to ten year starters and solid players. Yep. They did it for years. I mean, I think they went like 20 years without drafting a... It went from Harris Barton to Joe Staley, right? Yeah. Or no, to Qua- no. Quaim Harris. Quaim Harris. But we all know how that turned out. Um, But they went long periods of time without drafting linemen high, and it looks like we're starting to see this with this group. Um, McKivitz played, I thought, a fantastic game for a guy. That, uh, he had to have played less than 20 career snaps on, on the actual offense coming into this game. Correct. I know he filled in for Compton a little bit when he was hurt one game. And then he played at the end of a blowout. But so he coming in facing a guy like Aaron Donald, his it's almost a good thing that his mistakes were communication based. It wasn't like when we watched Justin School get just tossed by like a rag doll by Smith from the Packers. He was not getting thrown around like that. He was out there and he was battling with those guys. And that's a very good sign. Shanahan's so high on him that he said that he actually drafted him thinking of him as the eventual franchise left tackle. Wow, that's that's high praise. He said it this week. Yeah, I don't see him as the eventual left tackle. No. Um, I see somebody that was a right tackle that you could slide into guard and be very successful. But, hey, that's high praise. I know they thought maybe he was a third-round grade, and they ended up taking him in the fifth round, so that's that's good. Matt Breida pays off with Colton McKibbitts. Thank you, Matt Breida. And what was your key matchup? How do you think it panned out? Uh, my offensive key matchup was the 49ers horizontal offense. That meant getting zone outside zone read going, sweeps, and also getting Debo Samuel the ball outside quick, and that's exactly what they did early on. And at some point in the middle of the first half, it actually opened up holes in the middle, which I was hoping and thinking that it would get the ball out of uh, Mullen's hands really quick, not allowed Aaron Donald to make any sort of an impact. And that's exactly what happened early on. Just like the Saints game, we kind of started struggling a little bit again to keep that uh, going. So the 49ers have to find a way to eventually take um, the top off of the defense. But I think overall, it was at least a good game plan. They executed that. So I would say that's a big win for them because they were definitely the leaders and and running the whole game from the beginning. So good job. Yeah, here's the deal is that they clearly, when they're running Shanahan's script to start the game, they outmatch the other team. It's two weeks in a row now, or two games in a row now, excuse me, that they've done that. And like you said, he did a great job of getting the ball out to Samuel, getting it out wide, getting the ball to Mostert on the edge. And... I think, honestly, that Nick Mullins 
his limitations are showing up after that. I'm not, once again, I'm not here to be a Nick Mullins hater, get on anyone in particular, but I think his limitations are clearly showing up once um, the defense makes an adjustment to what they're doing. Completely agree with you there, yep. man. Uh, that's very obvious, and it's getting more and more obvious every week, and we can only hope Jimmy G comes back soon. Horst, what did you got for your matchup this week? My matchup was Kyle Shanahan slash Nick Mullins versus the pressure we knew the Rams were going to be bringing, which they did, and it kind of goes along with what his thing was, is in the beginning when they had their plays scripted out before the Rams could adjust, it was great. Once the Rams were able to make their adjustments, Nick Mullins really struggled with the pressure, especially when it comes right up the middle. He does not do a good job of slide-stepping, moving, getting out of the pocket. He's a statue. He um, freezes up a little bit and tends to throw the ball into coverage when he gets worried. He um, did make a couple plays throughout the game, and they did enough to win the game. So... Hats off to him there. He hit Debo on that nice slant. He um, did make that one play where he rolled out right and hit Kendrick Bourne. But aside from that, I mean, he still missed an open Jordan Reed twice. He missed the, I can't remember who it was, down the left sideline where he floated the ball like 30 yards past him. That was Reed also. Was that Reed again? It was also Reed on the study. He was running, yes. Yeah, it was a double move. Luckily, the defender can't catch. Yeah, it looked like he was leading that defender. And, yeah, luckily he dropped it for some reason. But um, I would say Shanahan gets a win on this because he managed to put up 23 points against a pretty good defense with this guy at quarterback. I'm going to give Nick Mullins a D because they won the game. If if they'd have lost, it would have been bad. F minus, actually. Yeah, because they only really scored 16 points. It's straight beast player of the game time. I feel like there's probably going to be a unanimous selection here, but I guess we'll just have to find out. Ant, Mm -hmm. who's your straight beast? It's Debo Samuel. Dude's a straight stud. Um, we've been saying it for a few weeks now that the 49ers offense would look so much different with him back in the offense, and it was very clear. You notice the difference when he first came back, the offense changed. Now he comes back again, automatically the offense changes. He is just a different kind of player. The physicality he brings to the game, the running after the catch is something that only George Kittle can come close to duplicating, but the variety of things that Debo Samuel can do is unmatched. This dude is a monster, and I look forward to seeing what he can do the rest of the year. He set career highs, and it was kind of a quiet career high in catches and yards, so that was a fantastic game. Horse, what are you thinking? You thinking Debo as well? Yeah, I don't think it's very close today. Debo had a huge game. I know the numbers are a little skewed because a couple more of those little flip fly sweeps that probably are more closer to a run than a reception. But um, no matter how he got the ball, he made plays when he got the ball in his hand. He had that big slant in the fourth quarter that took him past the 50 on the last drive. He had the other big first down catch where he caught the stop route over the middle, threw a tackler off him and ran for a first down. The one that got Greg Jennings all excited in his shorts. Um, he played a fantastic game today. And like you said, the offense is just so much different when he's out there. And one day, 
I would like to see him, Ayuk, and George Kittle play together. That'd be fantastic. At the same time, it would be glorious. The, the 49ers offense is going to look absolutely unstoppable once you have all three of those guys healthy on the field at the same time with Jimmy G or for all you other people out there, some other quarterback that we're going to get at some point. Uh, <laughs> the offense is going to look good once you get those three pieces on the field at the same time playing together with a healthy line and a healthy Raheem Mostert in the backfield. The 11 catches for a buck 33, average 12.1 yards a catch. Um, he's he's just next level. There's nothing. There's not a whole else you can say. A whole, not a whole lot else you can say about what Debo Samuel did. What Debo Samuel did is everything that we thought it was it would be when he comes back. Uh, we just need to keep uh, find a way to get this keep this guy healthy and keep him on the field because the amount of variety and options the offense has in, in creative ways that Kyle Shanahan has schemed and developed to get him the football is beautiful to watch. It is absolutely beautiful to watch. This offense clicks on a whole other level when he's out there, and that's why he's the straight beast player of the game. Big time. If you enjoyed the Niners' victory over the Rams today and want to hear more about it, you need to scroll down, hit like, subscribe to our podcast, and hit that notification bell. You'll hear more great content like we're giving you right now. And you can come down, talk to us in the comment section. We'll talk back. Let us know, Are, did we miss the offensive player of the game? Is there a better defensive player of the game? You let us know, and we'll talk back. Now it's time for our defensive key matchups. Start with mine. It was the 49ers front seven against the running game slash play action, which I think they... Especially the first half, they get an A. They completely shut down their run game, um, which, as we talked about, made Jared Goff a stationary passer, and you saw the results once again. If Jared Goff is not rolling out, throwing to someone wide open, Jared Goff is not a very good quarterback. He's very limited. He has trouble with seeing the coverages when he's just straight dropping back, and he's even worse when he's under pressure. And they did a great job. They forced him personally to three turnovers. Yep. So he had three turnovers today, um, two interceptions and a fumble that Jimmy Ward punched out. And I think they did a fantastic job against the run game all day outside of the 150-plus yard Cam Akers run. But even on that play, Jason Verrett gives extraordinary effort and runs him down and saves a touchdown. Um, What did you have there, Alex? Pretty much... Everything you just said, by the way, loved every moment of it. Every moment of it was glorious. My matchup was Mosley versus Reynolds. Glorious. Glorious. I won't give in. I won't give in till I'm victorious, and the Niners were victorious today. But Mosley versus Reynolds 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> the actual title that we went with last time. Uh, he only had five catches for 40 yards. People will be like, oh, he had 40 yards. He did. He had 40 yards. Uh, average of obviously about eight, eight, eight yards a catch. Um, but he was not a big play threat this week. And that's what he was last time he played. He had a couple of big catches and big opportunities in the first matchup, in the first game. Today, not so much denied. Okay, the, the, the Verrett-Sherman combo on the outside is incredible. It is impeccable. It's amazing. They did not try and take a whole lot of shots. And the few times they did take shots ended up with either 
basically Goff throwing it to nobody or Goff throwing it to Richard Sherman. One of the two was going to happen, and that's pretty much what happened the whole game from start to finish. The D-line got pressure. When you have Verrett and Sherman on the outside like that, guys aren't open in the first three or four seconds off, off the line of scrimmage on the route, and that forces Goff, like Horst said, to sit in the pocket like a statue and just be like, I don't know what to do. I'm, I don't, I'm not comfortable in here. Get me out of here. <laughs> Coach McVay, Coach Sean. Oh, it's Kerry Hyder. Yeah, no, God, no, please get me out of this. This is a hellhole. Blow the whistle. Exactly. Exactly. He's terrified back there. He's petrified. He's a deer in the headlights, and he looked like it today. And Mosley gets some credit for that, especially once Jamar Taylor went down. Reynolds, Cup, Woods, whenever someone got put in the slot, they could have torched him. They didn't. The, the pass defense was pretty lights out for most of the game, and a lot of that goes towards us stopping the run, not letting Goff get into a rhythm, and m letting Jared Goff become who he really is, his alter ego, his true self, Jared Goff. Uh, Jared Goff. <laughs> my key matchup is, was Robert Sala versus Jared Goff, um, and really Robert Sala had an excellent game plan. They executed it to a whole nother level. The way that he used a nickel set a lot of times and still was able to stop the run even when the rams run their um two tight end sets that's when you would normally expect the 49ers to run their base four three they didn't they stayed in the nickel used marcel harris used jimmy ward used tarverius more in the box which allowed them to cover tyler higby and those type of guys in those situations also allowed them to have more speed on the field at one time it was a great game plan they confused him you could tell jared goff was confused the the interception that richard sherman had sherman's just standing there ball comes to him goff once again misread the coverage he looked just out of sorts and that's what the 49ers needed to do um really robert solo didn't bring too much blitz but when he did it was it was there it was in his face he could feel it uh they got some hits on him early um carry hyder with two sacks so robert solo once again out schemes McVay and out schemes uh, Goff. And I'm starting to think that Shanahan and Sala definitely have um, McVay and Goff's number. And any sort of a matchup is always going to lean towards the 49ers way because they just out coach the other side. By the way, something that um, I agree with everything you said, it's great. Um, that I think I've come to notice over the last year is I didn't appreciate Cooper, how good Cooper Cup is because every time the Niners play him, they shut him down. Yeah. But when you watch Cooper Cup against other teams, Just you're like, him. what's this guy's deal? Like, And then you watch, for some reason, the 49ers are Cooper Cup's kryptonite. And McVay's. Yeah. Um, and Goff. We all talked about it during the last episode. That for some reason Shanahan and Sala have McVeigh's number. Well, I think when it comes down to it, Shanahan is just the master of McVeigh, right? I mean, McVeigh is—he's—he's he's a good coach, but Shanahan's at a, just a different level. And this is kind of one of those things where you know the people just can't beat the teacher; it just can't happen. Mm. And Shanahan's like McVeigh's like, I learned everything. He, you know, I learned everything from him. And Shanahan's like, Well, I didn't teach you everything I know. And that's kind of what you run into. And I think Shanahan's understanding of defense really helps him, probably helps Robert Sala as well, because they know what McVay's going to do before McVay knows what McVay's going to do. They even know when he's getting a haircut, and that's pretty crazy. That is pretty crazy. Especially in the COVID world. It's Especially hard to get a haircut. For, for Sala to know anything about a haircut. You know how hard that's it is a, to That's keep a bald joke right there. Yeah. That's a good bald you joke right there. You know how hard it is to keep your head nice and big. It looks clean. good. It looks nice. It's, it's shiny. He keeps it clean, though. He does. It's, he it's, definitely buffs that. That, for real, he really does buff it. Yeah. Uh, real does quick. he wax it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Good chance. 
Uh, oh, real yeah. quick, you too. Can see your, you can see your reflection in that. Absolutely. Sean McVay, too. You know, you can always hit, hit up uh, Sean McVay. He'll help you out with uh, some of your game plan stuff. <laughs> no one really knows what that guy's doing. If you haven't heard of Sean McVay, he's coming soon. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Sean McVay. <laughs> <laughs> It's time for our Block is Hot Defensive Player of the Week. I'm on pins and needles right now. And they are waiting because I would not tell them who. I just kept disagreeing with everyone that they said. The reason is you can't give it to one player. You got to give it to the whole defense. It was a team effort. Fantastic from everyone. I love every single minute of everything I saw from the D-line to the linebackers to the secondary. Robert Sala put the great game plan together. It's fantastic. So my block is hot. Is the defense, baby. The whole block. He picked you know the whole thing? block. You know what? I had a guy in mind, but I think I'm going to have to just agree with that. Because there were so many guys that played well today. You really could have gave it to almost anyone. There was tons of guys. I mean, yeah. from Kevin Givens, yeah. Contavia Street, Hyder, Armstead. looked great. Kinlaw looked great. Kinlaw. Um, How about Jason Verrett going Warner. into full warp speed? To track down Cam Akers. Fantastic. Jimmy Ward, Uncle Sherm. I mean, they're... Yeah, I mean, and Jamar Jamar Taylor's playing good. Then Mosley comes in. He plays decent, not great, He gets great, beat on decent. the one quick route. He played but... at least good enough, especially not knowing he's going to play there. I just thought it was a good team effort. I, right. I just got to give... I also got to give credit, too, to the... Uh, the headset coach for the 49ers who's responsible for catching Robert Sala's headset every time he starts to freak out on a big stop on a that guy's right behind him ready every time he's like dodging elbows and precious moment precious valuable headset dodging elbows and dude sweat yeah I mean there's a lot of dude sweat and elbows and and you know the glare coming off exactly the glare coming off the top of the head man that's gonna be hard to catch that thing that guy is ready every time Sala gets hyped and Sala had a lot of reasons to be hyped today yeah he did that that was Great game, great game plan from the defense. Fantastic. Overall, incredible game, guys. Phenomenal, the best, wonderful. It's a great game. Really it was, was phenomenal. I, I know offensively, offensively, you said it perfectly in the text of the group. It was like a root canal. It was hard, hard to bear, hard to, to deal with. Um, it needed to be done, but we got it. We found a way to get it done defensively. It was beautiful to watch that defense looking almost healthy, almost because we're still missing key pieces on the D line. But it, that just goes to show how well Shanahan has drafted this team with Lynch, the, the team they've constructed and put together without two key pass rushers. The fact that the defense looks this good is a sight to behold. Yeah, they're the 49ers right now are playing at a way as long as they can keep this up they have an opportunity to win the next five games and that's all that you can ask for you're going to kind of have opportunities to win against the bills and the football team and and those guys the cowboys i mean so the 49ers are right where they should be one game back um if you would have said that this would have happened they'd be one game back i would be very excited for all you people that are saying hey we need to stop winning and and look at the draft stop being that person okay Start rooting for the 49ers to win. Don't be a fake 49er fan. Oh, but, okay? but I want that top 10 draft pick. Yeah, they're 49er fans in name only. I'm just going to say that. That's all they are. It's time to get behind your team and root for them till the very end. Wherever the wherever it ends up uh, ending up, wherever they end up picking, that's fine. But we want the 49ers to make the playoffs. That's what, that's what we need to happen. Plus, the football gods will smite you if you lose on purpose. Ask Joe Burrow. 
I mean, yeah, poor Joe Burrow and his knees. Poor Joe. Uh, well, let's be honest. Cincinnati sat Andy Dalton in favor of Ryan Finley at the end of last year to make sure they got the first pick. To and, ensure the tank. And look what the football gods did to their pretty yeah. little quarterback. Tanking is not does not guarantee anything at all ever because you still, once you complete your tank and you tank your way to the tankiest season in the history of tanks, you still have to put it all together the next year or in the future. There's no reason, especially with this defense, the way it's constructed and what this defense still is despite the injuries, I was unaware that, that there were no backup quarterbacks that have ever won a Super Bowl. Yeah, we know that's not the case. I know. Oh, that was a joke. That was a joke, and this is what I mean. I don't understand people who are actually actively rooting for the 49ers to do worse and, and tank for the pick and try and get a quarterback early. Uh, I, I don't know how that gets us where we want to get. If this team can find a way to get hot here at the end of the season, get in the playoffs, I think any team in the NFL should be worried. Right. By the way, I, we're, we're dangerous. I, dangerous. I, I think, first of all, I am dangerous. <laughs> um, second of all, they're, who says that, and I like the guy too, who says Trevor Lawrence is going to be great? How often does that happen where a guy looks like he's going to be an incredible NFL player and comes out and is awful? I'm not saying it's going to happen to him, but between him, Fields, Lance, and... Um, Wilson. Yeah, Wilson. Let's be honest. The odds are that two of those guys don't have good careers. At the at the very least, it's two. I, it could be as high as five. Well, that, I mean, and that's not really what you have to base your season on anyways. No. If you're a competitor, you're playing to win. People that talk about that are not competitors. They don't. They don't want to win. You play to win the game. I know it's it's cliche at this point, but that's literally what you do. And I think that the 49er fans need to realize that you should just root for these guys. And if they fall short, then they fall short. But it, you gotta just stick with it. These guys are grinding. They're playing hard. There is no quit in these guys. A lot of other teams would have just folded. Oh, we have too many injuries. Oh, this. Oh, that. And they're not. They're buckling down. They're making it happen. That just shows that they do have a certain swagger to them and a championship, you know, material uh, to possibly win. So the 49ers need to really, uh, fans need to really get behind these guys. I think it's kind of sucky that you see people wanting to fire Kyle Shanahan. The same people wanting him to lose so they can draft high also want to fire him for losing. It's a, it's a paradox. I guess it's 2020. Well, and let's be honest, a lesser coached, and lesser team that didn't doesn't have the kind of veterans on it the Niners team does and the type of winning personalities is two and nine right now. Yeah. With their injuries, Most not definitely. five and six. Correct. I, look, or two and ten, I guess. Look at look at the Falcons. No, nine. Fa- Falcons are a prime example of when you have a sub when you have a subpar coaching staff, a super talented team that gets injured and isn't healthy at the wrong times very early, early in the season and how quickly it can all fall apart when you're a team that's projected to be not only a playoff team but a, a dark horse contender for a Super Bowl every single year for the past three years since they made the Super Bowl since they lost to New England in the Super Bowl and that epic collapse the, the Falcons are the epitome of that team that just is was not as well coached as people thought and the minute the injuries started piling up the team fell apart and crumbled and they couldn't put it back together until it was too late this 49ers team has had injuries, debilitating injuries. We're currently still 13 guys on IR, despite the fact that we got, what, six back mm-hmm. from the COVID IR list? Um, and despite that, despite that, we're one game back from 500 and one game out of being in the wild card hunt. 
Um, th this team has, like you said, not only the, the championship DNA, they got the championship mindset. They have a, a Super Bowl winning mindset. They know what it takes to get there. They know what it takes to, to put themselves in positions to be there at the end of games. They're going to continue doing that. Uh, no, no calls for Shanahan are going to deter Shanahan or this group from pushing forward. So y'all just need to get used to it. Top 10 pick is not in our future. It's not in our destiny right now. It's not in our destiny in the next two or three years. This is not a team that's going to be tanking for a top 10 pick in the next three years. Uh, unless you have continual debilitating injuries for the next three seasons and you have to blow it up because obviously you can't get it done with the guys you have because they can't stay on the field. That is the only way that this happens and goes down and the likelihood of that is slim to none. I think too we need to look ahead a little bit at the 49ers schedule and you've got here you got the Bills coming you know across the, the country to play. To play somewhere. To play somewhere probably in Arizona and that is a winnable game because the Bills are not a really sound football team that you have to you know really that you're worried about getting dominated by. I think the 49ers match up well against them once again another good uh, you know offense for the defense to match the up against. The Rams actually scare me more than the Bills. Right I think so too and then then you got the football team they can definitely defeat and you got the Cowboys which they can definitely defeat and then that matchup with the Cardinals and the Cardinals have to play the Rams twice still coming up so the 49ers have opportunity to come and win and like I said in our last podcast week 17 49ers at Seahawks if the Seahawks somewhat pull away from the Rams they might not be playing for a whole lot and they might sit some guys it might be just what the 49ers need to get into that seventh seed in the playoffs make sure to watch uh Friday's episode, we're going to break down what the 49ers need to do to beat the Bills, whether that is in Santa Clara, in Arizona, we don't know, but hopefully the, they'll get it all figured out and the 49ers can get that win. 5.30 Pacific, we'll give you all the key matchups, bold predictions, and we'll pick some NFC games, and uh, it's been pretty close lately. It has been. Friday's episode is going to be a big one. That's a big game with the Bills. If the Niners win that when they get back to 500, like you said, it's anything's possible from there. Um, what do we say? They have to win at least four or five now left, right? Yeah. It's doable. It's definitely doable. And they're just going to keep getting more guys back. Absolutely. This team's got to get it done. Please, they're, Jimmy. They're going to get it done. Hopefully, maybe we get a Jimmy G sighting next week. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I think the chances of us winning that game go up about a good 10,000% of Jimmy G plays. <laughs> so, Jimmy, here are calls to you good sir get your behind beautiful chin line back out there on that field and let's get this w sorry all george all right guys the 49ers chalked one up today now it's our turn guys you know what time it is let's chalk another one up you gonna, you gonna say anything or no i don't know you were staring at me, I, know, me I was waiting for you to say something you're staring at me and i see that big snow sticking outside of the Okay. Camera in it messed me up. Seems as he was staring at me. Well, I'm, I'm glad to know that my opinions are important. Important. They are, important, but he important, threw, important, he important threw me off. Alright, go ahead.